love the movies. Come on, come on. You love the movies. Uh, the movies are a language, just a visual art. They tap into so many emotions that are part of our lives, and we're excited this, these next uh, six weeks or so just to have some fun and to look at some movies, pull out some themes that the scriptures have in there. And tonight we're looking at Back to the Future. Come on! That was a great classic. I think, do we still, oh yeah, you can't really see it all that well, darn it. That's my face on there. It's just fun. Okay, Dan did that. That's cool. Um, so, it's, uh, did you, in fact, I read this week, did you know? They're actually filming a Back to the Future 4 that's going to be in theaters next summer. Let's all groan together. Because they really should have stopped after one, right? They should have just stopped. Why do you ruin a classic? I don't understand. So how is this? Uh, how many of you, you love this movie? I need one volunteer who loves this movie. Right now, up on stage with me. Okay? All right, man. Come on up. Yep. Come on up. And we're playing for some. We're not, we're not just goofing around here. If you've never been to Roadhouse Cinemas, uh, this is a pretty cool place to catch a movie. What's your name? Chris, I'm Jack. Good to meet you, man. You are so cool, and I'm not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, Chris, you've seen this movie? Yes. You like this movie? Yes. Okay, I have a, a quiz for you. We're playing for 20 bucks to Roadhouse, okay? okay. The church giving away money. It's a good day to be here, Chris. Okay, so, there are two main characters in the Back to the Future trilogy. There was a trilogy. It really should have stopped after one. But two main characters that you kind of see, at least in the first one. There's two. I'm going to give you their character names in the movie. Marty and Doc, okay? Can you tell me the actors' names of Marty and Doc? Uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox, that's Marty. And Christopher something. Uh, Hopkins? No? no. <clears throat> a little help from the audience. Oh, and someone coughed. Someone coughed. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. That's right. Exactly right. So you're the winner of that, Chris. Now, for a bonus, I don't have any bonus prizes, but okay. could you spell DeLorean? Okay, me neither. I had to look it up. Chris, thanks for playing. So, at the movies, you're giving away fun stuff. Maybe next week it'll be you. Uh, this is my favorite scene from this movie. You might remember it. <laughs> yes, just like the movies, it worked. Um, how many of you ever wished you had a time machine? That's really the premise of this movie, is that you have this time machine. How many of you know the date in the future? that it was actually set for was this year. Did you know that? 2015 what? That's right. October 21st, 2015. For all of you Back to the Future nerds. Okay, so... Um, if you ever wished for a time machine... Now, in this movie, they kind of go to the future. They go back to the future. There's kind of all this kind of hints the, the, you know, back to the past and, and all that. But the premise of it is it'd be fun sometimes. Maybe as a kid you dreamed about, hey, be able to go back in time to either redo something. Maybe you had a, a sports glorious moment that should have made the ESPN highlight, highlight reel, but you, like, missed the ball or you struck out, and maybe you'd want to go back and like redo that situation. Maybe there was a relationship that kind of went sideways, and you wish you could maybe redo that situation in the past. Maybe there was something you wanted to go back to the past to undo. Maybe there was... Uh, have you ever flossed 
with your shoelace, like where you said something, you're like, really, I, I said that out loud and I shouldn't have, and you're like in there flossing with your shoelace, and you wish maybe you could have that moment back over to kind of undo what was done in those moments. Maybe you made a bad financial decision that you wish you could go back in time to kind of undo, and that's kind of the premise of this. Marty goes back in time. I think, if I remember right from the movie, it's, it's by accident in some ways, but he goes back and he kind of changes some things. His whole life gets changed in the future. And I think sometimes there's a longing for us to want to do that because we have these things, these desires, these something that we wish we could do over. What do people call that? Regrets. They wish they would kind of get past these regrets. They wish they could kind of get around those. And I know a lot of people who get kind of stuck and sideswiped in life because they're stuck in these regrets from their past. I know people who run a lot in life because they feel like their past is always going to try to catch up with them and then trip them up again. And I know people who their story is they have been tripped up by their past. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know people who have been there. Maybe you've experienced that yourself, this idea that we have these regrets. There was a, a nurse in Canada who uh, spent a long time, she spent about 12 years in hospice care, and she began to write down some of these regrets that people on their deathbed, these last few weeks of living, what they would talk about. And she came up with some similar and unique themes, but also a lot of themes that were compiled up. She said, here's the top five regrets that people have. She wrote things like this. This is Bonnie Ware. Says, I wish, uh, people would say, I wish I had the courage to live life myself instead of the way people told me I should live. I wish I, I could have had more courage to live more boldly was one of people's regrets. I wish I had not worked so hard. Almost every single male patient she had said that. I wish I hadn't worked so hard and hadn't watched life go by so fast. Uh, Another one. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. So many people uh, suppress their feelings. They kind of don't talk about it. They kind of just, because they don't want to rock the boat, they don't want to have things, and so some people have that. Others say, I wish I would have stayed in touch with friends because I had forgotten how much friends matter in life and how much they can make life and traveling and navigating life so much better. Another one is, I wish I'd let myself be happier. She wrote this. um, They didn't realize until the very end that happiness is a choice. And they had stayed stuck in old patterns and old habits and had missed out on choosing to have happiness and joy be more and more a part of their life. And so when we face regrets, when we navigate, here's the truth. You're going to have some. That's life. You're going to have, I have some. But how do you live and navigate a life where that's limited? or where uh, the regrets you have in life are so few and far between? How do you begin to live life that way? That's the question I want to kind of look at and begin to dive into tonight. We're going to look at one passage of Scripture and unpack that a little bit that kind of dives at this. How do you begin to navigate living where you limit those impact and they don't hold you back, they don't keep you frozen from moving forward in life, where those regrets don't come back and just kind of trip you up? And as I think about through the Scriptures... There's a lot of people in the scriptures who have regrets. In fact, if you read the scriptures, you actually see a lot of broken people. That's one of the beauties of the Bible, is it's messy people. It's not, you know, just superstars and all-stars. You know, outside of Jesus, there's a lot of messy people in the Bible, and we can relate to that. I can relate to that. 
And that's part of the beauty of the Scriptures and the story of what they tell. And one of the characters that we see is the Apostle Paul. I think the Apostle Paul had some things in his past that he wished he could maybe go back in time to undo or redo. But what he made a decision, he writes about it in Philippians chapter 3, where he makes a decision to say, I'm not going to live thinking and wishing for a time machine. Because the reality is, that's a movie. And the movie wasn't even around for Paul, right? It's bad acting anyway. I'm glad it wasn't around. But the idea that we don't get to go back in time. I don't get to redo things. I don't get to undo things. Uh, There's no magic buttons. There's no magic box that I can get in to go back in time. As much as I wish you could have that in a moment, it's not reality. But Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 about a reality that we can move forward and we can begin to choose to navigate life that we maybe uh, work it in such a way that we have less regrets, that they're few and far between, and that they don't begin to limit us or, or hold us captive or to hold us hostage to the things in our past, that we can begin to move forward. In fact, he writes words like this. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can go to Philippians chapter 3. And toward the end of the chapter, here's what he begins to write. The Apostle Paul had a radical life change. In fact, if you were here a couple weeks ago when James, our our guest speaker friend of mine, was here, he talked about Paul's radical change. And Paul was a religious zealot, so to speak, in Judaism. And he, you know, followed the letter of the law and followed God's law uh, and and said, hey, I'm going to be a... I'm going to be a person that upholds this and calls other people to it and lives out the letter of the law in Judaism. And in a moment of pursuit, he actually goes to the place of beginning to persecute the early church. The followers of Jesus or the followers of the way is what it was known as back in the first century. The followers of the way, the way of Jesus. And he began to persecute and actually imprison and beat and watch over the beatings of people who were followers of Jesus and even having some killed. And so you have the Apostle Paul, who we understand to be this incredible man of faith. But that's not where his story started. In fact, if you go to his past, he's got some things that he probably wished he could redo or undo. Some things in his past that would catch up to him, even in how he related to the early church and how the early church was even standoffish from Paul because they, they said, this is, this is Saul. In fact, his name had to change. This is Saul who persecuted the church. And somehow he has this encounter where Jesus is real to him. And Jesus calls him. And he says, you're to be a follower of me. And his life is radically changed. And he becomes uh, a follower of Jesus, forgiven of his past. And he begins to move forward. And here's what he writes toward the end of Philippians chapter 3. He writes words like this. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, he's writing to the church then and to the church today. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. We'll unpack it in a second. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Understand that what Paul is alluding to here is a way of approaching life that's critical for us to experience and how we experience life with God and how we are empowered by his grace to live in such a way that keeps regret from holding us hostage. 
Paul says, I could be a person that's really stuck in regret, but I'm choosing because of the grace of Jesus to strain forward, to look ahead, and to press on, and to not let these things in my past be things that can catch me because I'm now covered. And yeah, I may have consequences, and yes, there may be uh, things that I have to deal with and that I might have to face, but the reality is I have a forward focus. And I think that's what Paul is drilling down. He's saying, look, this first thing is you've got to focus forward. You've got to press on. Because our God is a God of a future and a story for you. He's not a God who condemns of our past. He's a God of grace who meets us in our moment and says, if you will trust me, if you will entrust your life to me, if you will bend your knee to me being the Lord and Savior of your life, then I will move you forward and I will empower you that when we fall, we get back up. We don't stay in the gutter. We don't stay tripped up. We don't get stuck there or sideswiped there. I've watched people as they begin to understand maybe things from their past and begin to see God's grace and God's love covering over that and still they live with this like handcuffed to their past. And the reality is God is saying you don't have to live handcuffed to your past. You can move forward. Now, are there consequences to our past and to our decisions? Yes. There is. Welcome to life. But you don't have to have that define you any longer. You have a new definition as a child of the king. And as you live with that definition over you, you can press on. You can move forward. That could have been Paul. He could have stayed stuck. But Saul got rescued by Jesus and by his grace, forgiven uh, by his hope. And changed his name. And it changed his life. I love what Max Lucado says this. The brightest future will always include a forgiven past. The brightest future that's in front of you, friends. It will always include a forgiven past. And I think for some of us, we just need reminded of that over and over again. That your past does not define you. That you can press on. You can focus forward in life. Uh, Second thing I wrote. Uh, five things in this that I'm going to point out. Second one is this. Living a life with no regrets or limited regrets doesn't mean living a life with no mistakes. You will make mistakes. I will make mistakes. The best things that we can do when we make those mistakes is to own them and to mind them, to learn from them. Wisdom is learned in the trenches of mistakes. That's where you learn to say, you know what? There's a better path. There's a better way. I try to do that on my own, and I want to actually follow Jesus moving forward in this. I want to choose a different path. God can recycle our damaged decisions and our brokenness from our past, and he can recycle those to be, make a beautiful future and to help us continue to move forward. We have a saying around here, a value around here. Progress is greater than perfection because perfection is not real. But progress is. How do I take my next step with my Lord and Savior? How do I take my next step with God? That's the point. And I need to know that I can move forward. And that God's grace and His power activated in my life and through the Holy Spirit can help me take those next steps. And it kind of ties into the point three. I can't go back in time, but with God I can move forward every time. 
in every season of life, in every sideways decision of life, I can choose to kind of get back on track. And I can choose to say, God, I need your help to take the next right step for me. And I, need, I can need your help. I need your empowerment to continue to move forward in that, that we can be enabled and empowered through the grace of God and through his power to choose to continue to move forward, to say, hey, I'm not going to be a person that is just stuck here. I've got a good friend who is um, who's in prison. And in a lot of ways, we would look at their story and we would say they're stuck. They made a, a bad decision and they got what they deserved and they're in there. And I'm telling you, just hearing their story of how in the Bible studies in prison, they're baptizing people in the same trough that we do out here. Not the same one, but like similar, like in a horse trough thing. They're bringing it in. And people's lives are being changed even in one of the darkest spots they're at. And that we would see, we look at and go, that's a dark spot. And, and yet God's work can be there. That I don't have to be stuck and I, I can move forward. That God can continue to help me move forward. And I, can, I can't go back in time and change decisions. But every time, God can help me take a next step and continue to help me to move forward. The fourth one is this. A life with limited regrets means I glance back, but I always focus forward. How many of you drove here? Most of us, right? No one rode a horse. You drove here. Um, how bad of a driver would you be? I've been teaching uh, my son's friend how to drive. Like we had to get him enough hours that he could go take his license. He's graduated now and kind of get that. And he, woo he did it. Um, but uh, for him, one of the biggest things I had to teach him was like these mirrors, they matter. Like the rear view mirror and your side mirror, they're important. Like, you need to use them. And so, like, over and over, like, he would just pull out into traffic, and I'd be like, dude, um, thank you, Jesus, for safety bubbles. Um, it's just around us, but, like, you've got to use the mirrors, right? But what do you do? How bad of a driver would you be if all you did driving here tonight was just look in the rearview mirror or look in your side mirrors, right? That'd be a horrible driving education, right? You're to glance in your mirrors, but you're to focus where? forward in the windshield, right? That's like the most where you should be looking. Not on your phone. Don't text and drive. Don't text and drive. Um, you need to look out the windshield. And so the same is true in our lives, that we can glance back and we can learn from our past, and that's important, and we need to do that. But we need to be people who are moving forward. That's what Paul's drilling down on, forgetting what is behind, pressing on to what is ahead, I press on, I move forward in the grace and the empowerment of Jesus. That's where our, we're to have a fixed focus, is this fifth one. A fixed focus on Jesus. See, what Paul alludes to in the first part of Philippians chapter 3, you can read later if you want, I just want to highlight something. The first verse, here's what he says. Brothers, uh, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write it again, to rejoice. This is a safeguard for you. Why does he put that? Rejoicing means I'm, I'm big on what God does and what he did. I'm not all about me and what I do and what I did. I make much of Jesus. I make a little bit about me. But I make much about Jesus. He's the champion. This is a safeguard for a people who live in a culture that's consumed about selfies and about ourselves. We want to make the story much about us. 
And the reality is Paul's saying, look, you've got to make the story, your life, much about Jesus and what he has done. He's the champion. He's the hero. You're just along for the ride. And enjoy it because it's the best ride you could ever have. You can't create one better than this. It's a safeguard. He goes on. He gets down to verse um, 8 or so. He says, Once more, I consider everything a loss. I consider everything a loss uh, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, something I can achieve, something I can do, but a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He's making much about Jesus, not only a focus, forward focus, but a fixed focus on Jesus, on who he is and what he did for you and what he does for us. That's why Paul can say, I don't need a time machine. I don't need to go back. Yeah, I wish maybe I could have done some things different. Yeah, I wish I would have found out about this earlier. I wish I would have made some different decisions, just like we all would. But in a moment, he's saying, I want to have a fixed focus moving forward. I want to love Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to be found in him. Because that's where truth really is. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of the Hebrews says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sins that so easily entangle, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you. There's a race marked out for you. The way you're wired, the experiences you've had, even the setbacks you've had, God can use and recycle. He's got a race for you to run in life. He says he wants you to run it with perseverance. Let us race, uh, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the hardships, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You're to run. You're to run this race. Friends, we are to live as followers of Jesus, not merely a fan of Jesus. We are to follow him as Lord and Savior, meaning he gets to call the shots. I don't. He gets to call them. He sets the pace. We are to be people of grace and truth. We are to be people who live with conviction and compassion. A people who live with a love and a hope are called to be salt and light to a darkened world. We are called to be humble and grateful because we live as found ones who our story, we were found. And then we were brought home because of the grace of Jesus. And now we're empowered to focus forward and to take our next steps with him. Will you live a life with no regrets? Probably not. Can you live a life with limited regrets? Yes, you can. Because you follow a Savior who can redeem and recycle anything from the past, who picks you up and says, let's take that next step together. And so as we move to a time of communion, I'm going to invite you. Um, we do this pretty much every week where we have communion stations, two down front, and there's two here in the middle, where we're just going to create a little bit of space. We'll have a couple worship songs, and I'll close this in a second. But I'm just going to invite you in this moment to say, God, 
what's some stuff from my past that maybe I've been holding on to? Maybe some stuff that I feel like is just around the corner and it's going to jump out and catch me. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live with that sense of fear. Because we follow a Jesus who says, I know that about you already. It's okay. I'm going to help you move forward. We're going to move past this. We're going to move through this together. And I have a future and a hope for you. And so, Father, as we continue in worship and just in this moment, we remember that, Jesus, you came on a mission. That we might be found. That we might live as a found one. Deeply treasured by you. Sought after by the creator of the heavens and the earth. Who runs it all. And who still has time for concern for us to meet us in the moments of our weakness. And God, as much as we would love to have a time machine to go back to redo or undo some things, the reality is we can't. And we don't need to. You can meet us in those moments. Empower us to get back up and to take a next step to continue to move forward in you. To live as salt and light. To live with grace and truth. To live with humbleness and gratefulness. We're grateful for you. So as we remember, we're grateful for you, Jesus. We need you. We want to make much of you, not much of ourselves. Would you help us this week to be people who make much of you, Jesus? Who remember and are reminded that you're a God who pulls us forward and our focus is to be forward. Because your grace is pulling us there. So we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, how many of you have siblings? <laughs> how many of you are a little reluctant to raise your hand? <laughs> so, um, you know, family dynamics are an interesting thing, and I don't know if you had this growing up. Um, I, again, I want to welcome you here if you're new to Element City Church. I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and, and um, we're going to do something tonight for just the first five, six minutes here where we do this every so often throughout the year. Uh, we just call it a family chat. Anyone in your growing up family ever have like a family chat? Sometimes when you're like toddler age or teenage age, they're, they're not fun chats, right? Let's just, just remember that. This is not one of those, okay? This is actually one of those good chats. It's like the family around the table where they're talking about going to Disneyland, okay? Good chat. Um, and so tonight, I wanted to update you as one of the pastors here of just some really, really good news for Element City Church, our family. And so if you're kind of new tonight and this is your first time, hey, you get to kind of peek behind the, the, the curtain a little bit, see our family at ACT. Uh, in action and what we're up to. And, and you heard a little bit of that in the welcome of just that we want to be a church that does stuff and, and that kind of brings the hope of Jesus to the heart of the city. And we're, so we're, we're active in our community. We're active in our faith. We want to continue to challenge and push each other and help each other take our next steps in faith. And so as a church, we have been going for a little while. So if you're new, like in the last year or so, you may not know how this church actually got started. So let me kind of briefly update you. It's started with 12 people in a living room 
who just said, hey, we want to be a church that reaches the next generation. And so they started a service at Pantano Christian on the east side. Many of you may know that. If you didn't, ta-da, that's where we're from. Uh, so that's Mama Church uh, is where we're from. And so Pantano uh, had this service going for a little while. And about three and a half years or so, and then I kind of joined in about two and a half years ago, and we got to the place where we said, hey, we want to launch this church into Midtown. So a year and a half ago, uh, we got here to, uh, to Catalina High School. So we've been going for about a year and a half, and a half here, and uh, we've been kind of growing. We kind of said we were in mom and dad's basement, and we moved out to an apartment on our own. Okay, anyone ever, you're a young adult, you've moved out of an apartment, moved out of your parents' house, all this stuff. So you know, that's kind of how we were doing it as a church. And as a church, we've taken some great steps, and God's favor has been with us, and His uh, just you all chipping in and being a part. I'm not just serving here, but contributing here and helping us grow as a church. And I'm happy to stand here tonight as we kind of end up our fiscal year here June 30th with two pieces of great news. One is we are in the black financially, okay? We're doing really well. That's a good thing, in case you didn't know. Red's bad, black is good, okay? So we are in the black. We're doing really well. Uh, In fact, over the last three years, our budget has increased but, well, I can tell you numbers, but you don't, need, you don't care. If you, want, if you really care about that, come see me afterwards. I'll be happy to tell you. We're, we're really open and honest about that because we want to be open and honest as an organization, as a church, before you as uh, partners with us. Um, but God's really blessed. And we, in fact, this week, I went to the, uh, to the mailbox and someone who stands outside of our church, who just stands with us, supports us, wrote us a check and said, hey, we believe in your mission and we want you to keep going. And I just sat there stunned. Just we have people not just in our church, but people outside of our church who believe in the mission that we are on to kind of help bless the heart of our city and to see God's hope and love rise here and to revitalize people and to change lives. And so that's encouraging, and that should be encouraging for you. So we are at the second piece of good news is this: July first, we're kind of taking our first, our second maybe big boy step as a church, and we are fully incorporated now. And Element City Church stands alone as a church as of July 1st this year. So like in three days, okay? So the reason that's awesome is because this started with 12 people and has now grown into this, into a church that's fully functioning and out on their own. And uh, we're, we're kind of, it's sink or swim time now for us, okay? Remember how when you're a kid, you're thrown in the pool after you had the swim lessons, you're like, hey, do it! And you're like, hey, well, we've been doing that for a little bit. We've been financially secure and on our own fully for really the last eight months or so. Uh, but now we're kind of taking that next step. And so Element City Church is working our, on our 501c3, and we're in the process of that. We've got a great board, so I want to thank our board. I want to thank all of our leaders, all our volunteers. This is just a really, really cool dream that we had several years ago that we've seen unfold stage after stage. So that is a super cool thing, and I'd love to celebrate that. So, as a church, we stood here in August, and I stood up here, we did a, every so often we'll teach on what the Bible has to say about resources and finances, and I said, hey, uh, we talked about give, save, live, and that's a great pattern to have in your life, that's a great pattern, it's a pattern we try to live by as a church, we tithe 10% of what comes into missions and future church planning, we live on 90%. And we said, hey, we'd love to encourage you to do that. We do FPU to kind of help people take next steps in that. And as a church now, uh, we're at the place where we said, hey, we can do this 
as we continue to partner and build the movement and the mission of Jesus in and through Element City Church in the heart of our city. So I just want to encourage all of you who are partners with us financially, thank you so much. We would not be standing here saying all this. I mean, what church plant has, a, has an emergency fund? Like we do. I mean, that's just, it's cool how God is blessed in that way. And uh, we are trying to be really good stewards. That's what we're called to as followers of Jesus is to be good stewards of the resources, your time, your talent, your treasure that God's invested because he's the one that he's the owner of everything. We're to be managers of it. And so we're trying to be really good managers of this church. And I'm just happy to be able to say to you, hey, we're doing really well. God's blessed and partnered with you to be a blessing. And we want to continue to be a church that's effective at reaching people and helping people take next steps in their faith journey. So I would love to kind of close our family chat time with a little prayer, if that's okay. And if you're a partner with us here, uh, why don't you pray with me that God would just continue to guide us in that favor. And if you have never, you've been coming for elements for a long time and you've said, hey, you know what? I volunteer here or I come here. I support it. This is my home church. Then if you've never taken the step to trust God, to say, God, I'm going to use the resources you've given me. and I'm going to honor you by giving some back to you. We said in August of 150 people, couples or singles, gave $150 a month. That's $270,000 in a year, which is fully functioning can move this church forward without having any debt, without having any things hanging over us, and we can make us viable and effective. Well, I'm happy to tell you we're over that. And that's a great, great thing. And a partnership with you and the Holy Spirit guiding us as a church. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never been a part of that, uh, three things. Um, think about it. Pray about it. And then decide for yourself. If you want to be a partner with that and be in on this mission that God has before us, uh, I say this all the time, and it's true. It takes real money to do real ministry. There's no fairy dust. This is not Disney. Uh, it takes real resources to do what we're really called to do. And so I want to thank you for being a partner with us, and I want to just give you a happy, joyful report that we're fully functioning as of July 1st out on our own. We're grateful for that and grateful for the leadership of our leaders and our board and uh, just glad to be in this with you. So why don't you join me in a prayer and then we'll kind of move in to the sermon for tonight. So, Father, thanks for, for church family. Thanks for those who call Elements home. God, thank you for the heart you've given us to reach people who aren't home yet here in this church or in any church. Father, we just want to help people who are maybe disconnected. We want to help people that have maybe never been connected to understanding your love and your grace and your hope expressed in Jesus and through him. Father, we want to be a church that lives our mission, inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, if I had to put a hashtag, God, to this, we are grateful. We are grateful for your favor for your guidance, for your wisdom, the way you brought good mentors around us, the way that you've invested into us from, uh, from other churches, from other individuals who even stand outside of our church family, who love the mission that you've given us and who stand with us in that. I thank you for every partner here who has said, hey, I'm going to trust God in bringing my resources and a portion of that to help move this church and to move this mission forward. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon them. Uh, I pray that you bless them financially, but, Father, I pray you'd bless them even richer than that. God, we want to be people that live richly. And that isn't just a money thing. We want to be a people who live richly in our relationships and our love for you, the way we live on mission for you and with you. And, Father, we ask that you would be our, our protector, our guider in all of that, 
And Father, we pray for your favor to go before us and your wisdom to sure us up and to hem us in on every side as we step forward trying to be good stewards and to work well with your Holy Spirit to revive and revitalize kind of the heart of our city. We want to see the heart of our city just alive with love and grace and hope that you want to bring into the lives of individual people, into communities. And so, Father, would you continue to help us grow in that and to take, uh, take steps of faith and risk with you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace upon us. We ask that you would continue to guide us. We pray that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.